Another episode of the Beyond the Message podcast. My name is Lockie and I'm the host of this show and it's really my job to help us navigate those 167 hours beyond Sunday or beyond the message because at Beyond we believe in the messages we preach but we also know that your faith will grow as you invest into it throughout the week and all that time, all those hours outside of what you hear on a Sunday. So this podcast is super practical. Our goal is for you to be connected into community uh, in a connect group beyond or into your local church. And so if you've been tuning in with us for a little while, my hope is that you can start to begin to take the steps to, to join community. So if that's you, feel free to contact us on our social media as Beyond Church. Apart from that, enjoy the show. There's only a few little technical issues on this one, but you'll hear about those as you listen. We really hope you enjoy this episode and it adds value to your faith. We'll see you. good i got to look we'll just start the podcast right now because i we've just got through probably five minutes and i did not press record and we're going to start again however i will say we've got through 14 episodes and we've had no technical problems at all well that's okay it was just you know we can i'm excited i'm excited to get into it that's great well look this is uh we're just going to start again and that's okay um but chris welcome to the show we're wrapping up um the me and my big mouse series today um it's been a really awesome series i've loved it and in fact as i was kind of telling you before in the um the pre-recorded podcast you know the bit just as we were practicing the intro we were just practicing the intro um this this series has surprised me um it's you know you go to a a a series or you talk about a kind of collection of talks in within church that are about um the mouth or the tongue you know words and you expect the church or the pastor is to tell you don't swear don't gossip um you know it's bad and i have been incredibly kind of impressed and surprised by the, the quality of communication and just the depth that we've received from um, from all you guys that have communicated this series. I've found it really impactful for my life and, and talking about the real power and influence that our mouths can have over or our voice and our words can have over other people. Um, Chris, so firstly, how are you? And then secondly, um, would you mind just giving some of your reflections on this series? Because it has just been a lot of fun. Firstly, I am fantastic. And I'm glad that we, um, we did a practice. Um, I hope that the answers to our questions um, and the people listening will be better for, um, <laughs> be better for that practice. Uh, That's right. But yeah, overall, or, or one of my general reflections is, is kind of that same feedback that, that um, just reflecting on that same feedback that you've kind of just given then um, <clears throat> is that I think sometimes in church world, particularly for those of us who have been followers of Jesus, we have this, this, I guess, tendency to over-spiritualize things, uh, some things, and then de-spiritualize other things. And and what, what I kind of mean by that is we think that there are some things in life that are more worthy or more um, worthwhile um, or kind of get us more kind of kudos, I guess, with God than others. And oftentimes you can think, oh, well, the way I talk and the words I use are not super spiritual. But when you start to read, particularly the words of Jesus's brother, James, which is... Um, the first, the majority of this series has been framed around those 
um, passages in James, you start to realize that actually the way in which you control your tongue, the way in which you think about the words you're about to say, the intent behind them has so much to do with, um, with following Jesus. It has so much to do with uh, your internal walk with Jesus. Um, and, and it, in some senses, as we're going to talk about today, um, there are some things that you can do with the way in which you respond to situations and the words you use that actually make you incredibly, incredibly like your heavenly father. If, um, if you respond uh, in the right way. That's awesome. Um, so if you haven't heard those messages or our collection of talks around me and my big mouth, they're accessible through our Facebook page, through YouTube, and then you can go back through the beyond the message um, for the three previous parts. And this is the last one to wrap up the series. So yeah, if you think that um, this is something you'd like to work on, whether it is, Hey, maybe I do swear too much or I do gossip. Um, you know, that might be your thing. Might You might need some help in that and that's okay. And this is what this is for. Hopefully it's helped you. But maybe if you want to ask the question, how could I actually use my words to impact someone else's life? How could I um, use my voice to help people um, out of oppression or to help people find their voice or to help people unlock their destiny? Things like that. Those are kind of the bigger questions, I guess, behind um, behind this series, which I've really found incredible from Riley, Chris and Jason. So uh, hopefully this kind of part four just really wraps everything up. So um, Chris, live from your kitchen where Beyond at Home is filmed. It's great to have you there as well. Um, it's a bit of a famous kitchen now, isn't it? With uh, Yeah, it's getting a lot of, it's getting a lot of airtime recently. So. Yeah, it's, you know, the stainless steel look, the sleek kind of cabinetry. Um, yep. I, my wife um, had a, a big hand in that when we, when we built this house, I can take zero credit for anything in this kitchen, except probably the cleanliness of it. Cause if it's dirty, it would be on me. Well done. Um, just yeah. out of reference, how little in, input did you have to the kitchen? Ah, uh, very, very yeah. little. I think yeah. I kind of chose some of the pendant lights behind oh, that's nice. um, us, but that was in consultation with Emma. That wasn't like a, I've got this decision on my own yeah. um, sort of thing. Yeah. It's more of a, yeah, babe, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I struggle to conceptualize things in my mind with yep. colors and that. So yeah, it's, I'm not the person you want planning out a kitchen. Well, it looks great. Well done, Emma. Um, she killed it. She did. So let's get into our four questions of the four Monday. Um, and the first one is you kind of mentioned the starting message, this phrase, and most people know it or have said it in their life. And it's this, what goes around comes around. Now, uh, in the context, again, you kind of talked about it spiritually, but also not so spiritually, just in the kind of realm of life. But I've got a question, Chris. Some people listening might have the same one. Is this the same as karma? Is that what mm. karma, as we kind of know in the modern day, looks like? Yeah, it's a great question. Fantastic question. Thanks for asking that one. Um, in the message, I was kind of referring to the idea of power positions. So, um, what I meant when I said, you know, what goes around comes around is often more often than not, if, if there's been a time when we found ourselves in a powerless position, um, some examples of that might be, you know, like you, you brand, you, you're an apprentice on the job side or you're new in the office. And so you have to like do all the jobs that no one wants, uh, to, or, um, maybe you're kind of new to new to a family when you're dating someone. Um, often we find ourselves in these kind of powerless positions where people can kind of just give us tasks or give us jobs or, um, do certain things. We don't really have a say in it more often than not in life. The experience of like just observing life is that there will come a time where 
that shifts for you and you move into a position of power. So you all one day you're not the apprentice. One day you're not the newbie. One day, um, you know, someone else starts to date someone and they get introduced to the family. And so you shift from this kind of bottom of the rung to a little bit higher up the, the rung, if you want to, um, to think that way. So uh, in that sense, it's more of just an observation of life because karma in the Hinduism and Buddhist sense, in these like our worldviews that um, it fits into this whole idea that there's such a thing as reincarnation, which followers of Jesus kind of don't, um, don't believe and Jesus didn't teach that. But Hinduis, Hinduism and Buddhism sort of says essentially that um, or what karma is, is that every decision you make is weighted. Um, and if you've ever watched or seen the Netflix show, The Good Place, this is kind of an illustration of it, um, that everything you do in life is weighted. Um, there's good things and there's bad things. And then at the end of your life, all of those things are compiled. And if you made more good decisions than bad decisions, then when, you re- when you're reincarnated, uh, you'll come back maybe if you were like, this is where they have the caste system and the different levels of... Um, uh, a culture you might kind of get promoted a culture in the next system or if you're really really bad you might get you know might become an animal or you know um, a snake or something like that um and so it's more in karma is more in that like moving into the next life sense and then kind of uh western new age thinkers have kind of made karma this like oh it's what happens in this life and if you do something at the good at the start of this life it'll impact you at the end of this life it's not it's not really, it's really that. nothing We've, we've kind of got that wrong because I'm not really interested in um, we're not having a crack at karma or any other. Religion. No, no, we're not, not going to do that. So, <clears throat> but we are saying that kind of we in this world or in our, you know, in our society, we definitely don't understand karma um, at all in the first place. And we kind of say it, we say things as like, oh, that's yeah. karma when it's really not. Not, not to the fullest extent of karma, uh, you know, and, and, and perhaps there are people listening and they've, they have read the Bhagavad Gita and they've read all those, um, you know, the works of, um, of Buddha and all that. But a lot of new age writings that I've looked at that are written through a Western lens that borrow um, kind of Buddhist and Hindu kind of concepts kind of morph them a little bit. And so they kind of take a Western worldview and then they kind of morph it with, with an Eastern um, worldview and so um, probably not in the fullest sense um, yeah interesting of which yeah so there you go so but the I answer guess, you, to your question is no yeah sure not but really, i guess yeah. though like what you're talking about is with our with our voices and with our words like eventually if we start being constructive with our words we will be in environments that are constructive towards us it, um uh you know like if we if we're really treating making active effort to treat people nicely with our words um, you know, do, do we believe as Christians that, that comes back to us? Is that, um, you know, maybe not in that whole karma sense, but is that what you meant? What goes around comes around or is that, is that, am I missing the ball there? No, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, not in, not in that sense. All I meant was um, literally whether you're a Christian or not, often if you find yourself at the bottom of the rung, just through living life, uh, you'll often find yourself in a position where you can use your words uh, to hurt or hinder someone. Just like when you're at the bottom of the rung, the words of the people above you kind of carry weight and it's, hey, go get my lunch. Hey, go pick up the tool bag. Hey, go and run this errand. Hey, can't believe you would do that. Uh, just as we get promoted or as we go through life and we get more experience, we kind of intentionally, unintentionally just kind of uh, rise up so that there are people below us. And mm. when we're in those positions, the words that we say and speak into those people's lives, we have a choice 
to make, whether we speak into their lives the same words that were spoken over us or uh, whether we choose to maybe redirect and take another, um, another path. So that, yeah, that was more so what I meant. Um, yeah, great. It's just a natural progression through life, I think. Yeah, fantastic. Awesome. So moving on to question two, um, Chris, in the context of, of this series of, of our voice, of our words, um, how do I know that God is with me through my tough experiences? And just thinking, obviously, that's a quite generic, broad question. We might have actually asked that on the show before. Um, but in this context, what does it look like? Or how do I know that God is with me through those tough experiences? Well, cheeky plug for next week, uh, Beyond at Home, we're going to be answering the question, why is there suffering in the world? Whoa. Um, so, yep, tune in. Invite your friends to tune in. We're going to spend um, a couple of, couple of parts of Beyond at Home. It's a new series called The Messy Middle. And, um, and part one, we're going to answer this question, why is there suffering in the world? But um, it's a good question. How do I know that God is with me through my tough experiences? And uh, there's this part of the Great Commission that I think we we kind of forget or we miss or, and it's in Matthew 28 in verse 20. So Jesus kind of just gives a great commission and he says this really interesting thing. So after he says, he says, Hey, go into all the world, tell people about me, teach them about me, baptize them in, in the name of the father, son, and the Holy spirit. And then he makes this comment. He says, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even till the end of the age. And I think one of the reasons that Jesus says that is because he knows what's going to happen. Like there's going to be persecution. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be really, really difficult. And in those moments when those tough experiences happen, Jesus wants them to be sure of one thing that I'm still with you, which indicates that your circumstances are not reflective of God's love for you. Um, And I think we, we perhaps have allowed and, and it's, I get to a certain degree, it's natural, right? Cause we're all humans um, that we, but we sort of have this idea that, um, and it's an incorrect idea that when things are going well in life, God's happy with me and God's got my back. Um, and when life's not going well with God, then God's upset with me or God's abandoned me. And um, really that kind of boils down to this idea that our circumstances reflect the reality of God's love for us. Um, and that's not true. In fact, it makes no sense when you really think about it in light of Jesus, because we believe in on the cross that the the very worst thing happened to the very best possible person, uh, which means at the center of our faith is this terrible thing happening to this to the best um, possible person. So I think, um, how do I know God is with me through tough experiences? I think the first thing is recognizing that God's presence in your life is not based on your circumstances. It's based on his promise to you in the words of Jesus, where he says, I'm with you to the end of the age. And that promise was spoken, right? Like it was, we're talking was about spoken. his mouth and his big mouth, maybe that was yep. chronologically after he got crucified. So he yep. didn't say that beforehand. He, he didn't say, Oh, by the way, life is great. I'm with you always. And then, you know, got hung up on a tree and kind of was like, Oh, that, that plan sucks. That didn't work. This happens yep. after, and this is kind of like the last thing that Jesus says, right? Before yep. he Yep. So he has just overcome the grave and he's like, you need to know and you need to remember because you'll forget because life will get in the way. I'm with you always. Yeah. And so I think another way, just really practical that you can know that God is with you through Chuff's experiences is to shift the question from intellectual to relational. 
Because even I think the way we ask that question is like, how do I know God is with me? In other words, like help, help me rationalize it. And I think a better way could be to think, well, well, how do you know that you're still, you're still okay or you're still good with a friend? Well, you have a conversation with them and you say, hey, are we, are we good? Like, is there some tension there? Like, is there something going on? And I think if instead of kind of rationalizing like, oh, like what's going on? If we were to just kind of go to God and connect with God and say, hey, God, like, here's what I'm really feeling. I'm really feeling that maybe the circumstances are tough and I'm feeling that that is a reflection of your love for me. God would be very quick to be like, ah, I I think you might be missing the mark there. (laughs) Mm. So, yeah. That's really good. I I think that's awesome. And even just thinking about um, like he's, he's told us and if we've, if we've learned anything, this, this series, it's that our words are powerful and that if the creator of the universe has something to say, you know, that's going to be incredibly powerful. And that's what he had to say. Um, and to use what you kind of spoke about on the weekend, you know, we've got these stones and we can either use them to uh, pave the path of someone before us or ahead of us, or we can throw them. And, and Jesus in his last kind of act on earth, he, he definitely paid the path for us. And so moving into our third question, um, question, how can I actually pave a way forward for the people in my life um, with my words? So the people that I work with, my family, um, the people I'm close to in relationship, how can I take the example of Jesus and his words and what he did and what he chose to do and kind of apply that in my own life? Yeah, well, I think uh, <clears throat> we spoke about this a little bit on the weekend and um, we touched on it towards the end is uh, Joseph, who, whose story we looked at, is um, really a prime example of, of what we can do. And, you know, essentially Joseph is kind of betrayed by 10 of his brothers. His youngest brother kind of isn't even out there. He's betrayed by 10 of them. He's sold into slavery. He moved to a foreign land and he, he gets taken by, um, you know, this, this Roman um, guard. And then the Roman guard's wife tries to sleep with him and he does the right thing. And he's like, no, I won't sleep with you. And then he gets thrown in prison. It's just his story of like, you know, all these things lining up and then eventually he becomes like essentially the, the two I see are the Pharaoh in Egypt and there's a famine in the land and his brothers who sent him into slavery originally come back and they're sitting in front of him, begging him for grain. And in that moment, Joseph had a decision to make. And I think the decision Joseph made can help us understand how we can pave a way forward. And and this was the decision he made. He didn't let someone else's decisions control his. And so what I mean by that is, um, for example, he was humiliated and he could have thought I'll humiliate them. You know, he was sold into slavery. He very well could have said, you know what? I'm going to sell these guys into slavery. Um, His family was taken away from him. His response could have been, well, I'm going to take you away from your family and throw you in jail. But instead He didn't allow their previous actions to influence his response to them. And, and in doing that, Joseph kind of mirrors um, and kind of points forward to what Jesus would do uh, when he entered history. And and he said, you know, I'm not going to let the responses and the actions of humanity turning their back on me and sin entering the world. I'm not going to allow that to determine my love or my response for them. I'm still going to go and I'm still going to give my life on the cross for them. And um, yeah. There you go. So I guess it's really choosing in your own heart, uh, in your own mind and with your own will, what you're going to do in any circumstance. 
Um, cause if we get thrown around, um, if we just get, I love this image in the Bible. I think it comes from Ephesians where it kind of talks about, um, infants being tossed around in the waves. Like that's the image of, uh, of being thrown around. And I think that so many people in, in our society, in our communities are living like that. Um, that image of someone who gets stuck in a traffic jam or burns their toast and it just sets them off into like, Oh my goodness, the, the world sucks. And then, then they go to work and people are, you know, going to be hounding them for certain things. And, and you can imagine the chaos that, that they're experiencing internally. Mm. So is it almost in a way, Chris, just practically choosing to say, I'm going to, I'm going to choose to, to love today. or I'm going to choose to be kind. Is that, you know, and not being kind of swayed by how other people might treat you or what, what might happen to you? Yeah, I think that's part of it. And then the other part of it, I would say is that, um, you know, Paul says that, you know, reminds us that we were bought with a price in otherwise, in other words, there's a cost, there was a cost attached to our freedom being earned and, um, and, and that our, our minds and our, to be, if we're Jesus followers to be controlled, um, and uh, by the Holy spirit. And so the way we live our life is actually not supposed to necessarily be the way that we want to, uh, live our life. We want to make, essentially we want to say like, how, how will the decision I make, will it help me follow Jesus or will, will it cause me to kind of walk in a different direction to what Jesus, um, calls me, um, to walk in. And so I think oftentimes, uh, I know in my life, it's so true that the easy decision is what I want. Uh, but if I was to kind of say, ah, oh, right, if I've been bought with a price, if this decision was to reflect the decision that Jesus would make, if he was in my place, uh, I probably can't do the, I probably can't do what I really wanted to do right off the bat, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're kind of stepping into our last question for the series mm. now, and we just really want to spend some time here. Um, cause we we're talking about it now, but again, like what does it actually look like to, to be like Jesus relationally? Because our words, they're going to be powerful when they're in relationship. We can post it, we can write and post as many things as we like, but the words that we speak in our relationships are probably the most powerful that we can, that we can have. So what does it look like? What would Jesus look like relationally in the 21st century today? If he was at beyond church sitting next to us uh, or experiencing beyond at home and he was sitting next to you, like what would be some of the things that he would be doing and how would he want us to respond? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be a real pain in the butt and I'm not going to answer that with a, like, here's three things that Jesus <laughs> would do if you were relationally. It's like a Buzzfeed um, article. Yeah. Cause I just think it's, I think it's a little too, I think it's a little too easy. And the reality of, of relationships, if we, you know, for people who are listening is everyone knows relationships are messy. And so I think that it's really easy for me to go, Oh, well, here's three things or two things or five things or 12 things, whatever it is that you can do to live your relationships like Jesus. But here's what I also know. If someone was to say that to me, I could think of any, a reason why I could get out of those all probably all of those. Oh, here's how I can sidestep it. And I kind of get what you're saying, but here's how this doesn't apply to me. So here's what I'm going to do. <clears throat> what would it look like? I think for us, it, it would look like us taking our cue from the one who made us, created us, never left us and died for us. So in other words, the question is, is more so, okay. If I was to respond to this person, if, and, and it, instead of just me responding, if my response was to be taking my cue from Jesus, to be taking my cue from my heavenly father, what would that sort of response look like? 
You know, when I, when I burn my toast in the morning and it sets me off or when, you know, I come into work and I've just had this beautifully relaxing weekend and the first email is just makes me want to tear my hair out. Um, or, you know, I've just had a big conversation with my spouse, or with my kids about, you know, tidying up or cleaning up. And then I come home and it's there and we literally spoke about it. I think it's asking then, okay, in that moment, when I feel that kind of welling up and my tongue starts to get out of control, what would it look like for me to take my cue from my heavenly father? And then acting on that. Mm. It's really really easy to be like, Oh, that's how Jesus would respond. But I didn't do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Cause like when you really do think about it and you look back through the Bible, like God is never abusive. Um, and the character of Jesus or the person of Jesus is, isn't um, uh, angry at trivial things, you know, doesn't get frustrated easily, slow to anger, um, you know, quick to listen, things like that. You know, you only had just have to have a quick glance at, at the scriptures and the history of, of this faith to realize that, um, you know, abuse and things like that. Like we, we don't get that spoken over us from our creator and, and we don't deserve to kind of be part of that in, in many ways. And, and I, I think um, just kind of like to use if some people were looking for, well, what would that look like practically? I just know in my life, we were talking about this in our um, connect group um, last night um, and talking around this idea. And, and one, of the, one of the things I observed is that um, there's a particular friend of mine uh, who if, if I was to kind of be taking my cue for Jesus, I would actually be far more encouraging with this particular person. Um, not that I'm discouraging. I was just kind of observing Oh, my default is to listen to this person and just kind of nod and go, yeah, okay. Okay. Um, but we were sort of just talking it through and, and we we're sort of saying, well, if Jesus was in that position, uh, I think Jesus would actually be more encouraging. Jesus would kind of call what they see out, kind of really bring the gold out in people. Uh, and so I, I think, yeah, in terms of, and the reason that Jesus would do that is because he views this person as special. He views this person as someone that he's created. He's given them gifts and he wants to see them live those gifts out and utilize the gifts that he's, um, he's given them. So on a really practical level, it looks like calling the gold out in people. And it looks like calling them, calling them um, perhaps to something greater than mm. they think they're capable of, but you can see it in them. That's really awesome. Um, love that you plug connect groups there for us. And, you know, in that space, a lot of practical learning about these kind of things. And so if you're looking for a next step, if you've been beyond at home for a little while now, you've been tuning in, maybe you've uh, commented a few times or you, you know, you've, you've been flicked to this podcast to learn a bit more. And if you are looking for a next step, um, we want to point you in the way of connect groups. We've got incredible um, leaders that, that just open their homes up. I think more than that, is they open themselves up to be encouraging, to, um, to be uh, the voice of what I would say, Jesus, not saying that we only choose connect group leaders that are, you know, hundred percent Jesus, you know, it's, that's not true at all. Um, that's not what I'm trying to get at, but in that way that we get to be the voice, we get to be the voice of encouragement, the voice of gold in people's lives. And, and that's a really great space. So if you'd like to find more, um, you can get in touch with us via the website, or any social media, uh, as soon as you put the word in connect group um, to any of those messages, we, we get keen. So don't worry, you'll get followed up with. Um, but that wraps up our series, Chris. 
Uh, have you got anything else to kind of tidy up or just tie together any loose ends from what we've talked about over the last four weeks? I've got no additional thoughts except for get excited for our new series, The Messy Middle, that's launching this coming Sunday. If you've, if you've had someone who's maybe walked away from faith or maybe kind of thought that suffering or bad things happening to good people uh, was a reason not to follow Jesus, this is a series you're going to want to invite them to tune into or share it with them uh, after, after it goes live. It's a shareable one, isn't it? It's a, it's a relatable. them are shareable. They are, that's right. But this one is like a, you know, you know that person who's like, has these questions. So, so get amongst it, share it around. It's going to be awesome. As always, Chris, a pleasure. Thank you very much for jumping on the show and we'll catch you. You're part one for Messy Middle. I am. We'll see you next week. Next week this time, we'll catch you later. See you, mate. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Beyond the Message podcast. We can't wait to see you next week and hope that you continue to get value from this show and that your faith can grow even stronger in these 167 hours. We'll see you next week.